welcome to a slice of the orange. I'm Jody Balma. For our last candidate interview of the March election season, uh, we're talking with Kim Wynn Penaloza. She's currently on the Garden Grove City Council. She's running for Congress in the 45th District. Three other Democrats trying to advance to November against Michelle Steele. Let's get to know her. So welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma, and Kim Wynn Penaloza is my guest today. She's a candidate for Congress. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. I'm so excited. So I'm excited to talk to you. You, you were a guest speaker in my class, and, and that was early days. And so I'm excited to kind of catch up and see what's been happening on the campaign trail. Um, let's start with just a short bio, how you got into public service and what you've been doing so far. Yeah, so... I am the daughter of a Vietnamese refugee and a Mexican immigrant. I'm one of eight children, the first in my family to graduate high school and go on to our four-year university. And I've always known that I wanted to be a public servant. I think witnessing at a very young age the ways in which my parents navigated the world, the resources and opportunities afforded to them, very different, um, really opened my eyes. And maybe I didn't have the vocabulary or the full understanding to know why things were the way that they were, but I could see it. Right. I just didn't have the words for it. And for whatever reason, I correlated that to the man on TV in a nice suit, standing in front of a podium, giving speeches, talking about the world and our communities and realizing that they he didn't look like me or my family or my friends or my community. And I had it ingrained in my brain that I needed to become president of the United States of America. And so I ran my first campaign in first grade in Mrs. Worker's class. And it wrote I wrote on a paper, vote when, when now. And in parentheses at the bottom, I wrote 2028 or 2032 because I had done the math that I'd be 36 and eligible in 28. And I've just been so fortunate to have teachers along my life that when I when they asked me what I wanted to be and I said POTUS, they, you know, not only encouraged, motivated me, but they also challenged me really to do better and really get on that path. My parents aren't political by any means. And so I didn't really know how or what that would look like. I just knew that that was the end goal. And I had a professor in college who was a, a council member who gave me extra credit to go to his council meeting. And that was my first taste into local government. And during the summer, I interned for then Senator Lou Correa, who's now our Congress mm -hmm. member. And that was my first taste into state government, but also local Orange County politics, which was a big own. And I got my first my first job at Cal Optima in 2013. I no longer work there now, but really navigating that politics and healthcare um, and things that were happening in Orange County, like re uh, districting process for cities. And that's how I got into in tune with Garden Grove. They were going through a districting process. And I didn't think that the maps being created by the demographer were a fair representation of the city. And so I decided to take it upon myself to draw a map. And I consulted the guy I know who's the best in maps in Orange County, Claudio Gallegos. And he gave me some feedback and suggestions. I made some changes and then I took it to community members and they gave me some feedback. I circled back with him and made some more changes. And, and then I submitted the Kim Nguyen map. And uh, after many months of hard work, uh, the map that I drew was selected 5-0 to become the map in Garden Grove uh, in May of 2016. And just a few months later, before my 25th birthday, uh, I wasn't excited about the individual who was running for the seat that I currently <laughs> represent. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, rather than being part of the problem and just complaining, like I wanted to throw my hat in and become part of the solution. And I figured I'm 24. I have nothing to lose. Like, I think I could do a really good job. I know how how strong of a work ethic I have. 
I could learn and do really well. And sure enough, I won by 13 points and I did just that. And now I'm on my eighth and final year representing the city of Garden Grove. And, you know, looking back and talking to city staff and, you know, many of them getting emotional because when I first started out, I was 25 and now I'm a mom and I'm married. And, you know, uh-huh. just seeing that I grew up with them and how how far I've come, I'm just really proud of the work that I've accomplished and, you know, can retire from this seat and hopefully be promoted to Congress, but retire from this seat and really know that I made a difference in my community. Yeah. And, and I think that that path of, of finding out about local government and seeing things that are wrong and wanting to be part of the solution is what we need more of. Um, and, and certainly your experiences as, as a mom are, are sorely lacking in Congress. You know, most of, most of the parents there are retirement age or have grandchildren because we just don't have a lot of young people, period. Mm-hmm. And we certainly don't have a lot, lot of, of parents with young children. And, and so that's a really different perspective that you would be bringing. Um, and so when you are talking to people in Garden Grove, when you're, you know, campaigning and, and, and talking to the electorate, what do you see um, that needs to be represented in Congress? I think that's the most exciting part. I've always liked the canvassing part of campaigns more than anything else, especially a call time, because you get to engage with someone directly, right? And for me, it's really a listening tour, really hearing from them and what they feel is the problem, whether that's a council issue or a Senate issue or um, or a congressional issue, right? Because no one really knows whose jurisdiction is what when you're talking to a local individual right. who's just, like, concerned about their day-to-day they just know that this is the thing I'm pissed off about and you're in front of my face. So I'm going to tell you about it, whether right. you can handle it or not. It's, it's besides the point. But really hearing from them, because to me, local politics is national politics. And I think that we talk about these big ideas at a national level, which are really important. But at the end of the day, they trickle down locally. And I think that the cities are the front lines to handling these issues. And so having served at this level just gives me a really good perspective for when I go out to Congress in D.C. and try to make legislation. I'm really keeping in mind how does this drill down to the everyday person? Um, And I'm finding that they're excited to have someone from the community, Um, someone who's within the district, who grew up here, who has a nuanced understanding of the different issues, who has relationships with existing council members throughout the district, because it's not cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all. So being able to be in tune with the individuals representing all the cities, getting that feedback and really um, having a nuanced approach to what is needed in each community is really important to them. And seeing my very long list of endorsements, I think really helps kind of satisfy individuals who are like, well, you represent this city, not mine. I'm like, yeah, but look who's supporting me. And it's from your city and it's someone they voted for. And there's that their trust and reassurance built in with that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and this is, a, you know, one of the most competitive races in the nation for control of the House of Representatives. Uh, Biden won the district in 2022. Democrats have a five-point edge over Republicans. But, but we have an incumbent Republican, that, and that is really hard to beat. Um, but the March election that we're talking about right now is, is about making it to November. Um, and so, you know, h- how do you see the, the March election going? Um, do, do you see a lot of people even 
engaged and, and understanding what's on the ballot to vote. You know, low voter turnout is always a, a challenge. You know, it's, it's one of the things that keeps me up at night, among many other things, aside from a crying baby, of course, because I, I, I think there's such a big apathy with our voters in our community with every election. We're like, this is the election that's going to determine life and death and, you know, doomsday. And, and while it's true, the average person doesn't think like that. So us politicals who are all in tune and understand and who are hyper-focused on these national issues or what yeah. you know national consequences will have on the local level, the average person isn't thinking about that. They're like, I'm working, I got to put food on the table, I have to grocery shop, I got to pay these bills, I got to take these kids here or there, or I, I've got this event or that event or my birthday or my party. They're, they're focused on day-to-day. -day. They're not thinking about how the things happening outside of their purview affect them until it affects them, right? And that's what makes me worry. And so for me, when I'm out there talking to people or I'm communicating with my volunteers what to communicate with, with voters, it's really important that we fixate on that, right? When I'm talking local issues and we're talking measures, I'm talking about, do you like when clean water comes out of your faucet? Do you like that that light turns red, green, and yellow? Do you like that when you call an officer, they show up within five minutes or less? Do you like that, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z thing? And really putting it to perspective because these are things that they don't think about, right? Turning on sure. the water, flushing the toilet, having your trash picked up. Um, when there was a strike, I know that people initially with the, with the trash, then people realize how important it is that their trash gets picked up. So again, that's what I try to communicate to people. And I say, look, all the cities are going through an extreme struggle right now in the sense that we don't have the monies to keep up with the growing population, with the growing demands, with our aging infrastructure. We need someone in DC who understands these things and who's gonna care about these things and help cities. Housing, homelessness, public safety, education. When we right. talk about gun control, when we talk about you know the environment, all of these things, it's just so critical that you have someone who can take that local issue and make it national because at the end of the day, these concepts that we talk about at a national level come down to the local level. And that's how I try to get them excited about uh -huh. the election, um, motivated and encouraged them to vote for me, obviously. Um, sure. But I feel like once we talk about these issues and drill down in that way, I, I've hooked them. They're like, yes, this is important. I must vote for this person. I mu must vote in this election. And I tell them, like, whether it's me or not, for your prerogative, do your research. But just know this is where I stand. This is what is important to me. And, and I want to hear what's important to, for, for you. And let me keep that in mind. And I take my little, when we're in school and we're in conferences, we take our bike rack notes, you know, or I'm an avid student, so my Cornell notes. Yes. And just like pencil that there so I can remember, oh, so-and-so told me that this was a big issue for them. And I bring that back with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so if you advance to November and, you know, the, the, the special interests spent just millions of dollars in this race before, they are going to spend millions of dollars again um, trying to keep this seat for the, the Republican incumbent, um, you know, who is married to a former chair of the California Republican Party. Um, you know, how, how are you prepared to deal with that level of negative um, mailers and billboards and attacks? Hmm. So. 
everyone asks me this question and my sure. answer is always the same. Look, I'm not afraid of Michelle Steele and I'm not afraid of the Republican Party. If you've paid attention to me in the last eight years, you know people have this saying, chiquita pero picosa, and that means small but spicy. I'm here. I'm not going to just take punches. I'm also going to throw them. But I do so with facts and I do that with knowledge and I do that with experience. I'm not here to play around. I'm not here to politic. Mm -hmm. I'm here to do the work. I'm I'm a very type A person. I'm very much get the work done. I am the person that goes to my council meetings and staff hates when they know that I'm about to ask a million questions or there's a huge item because they know that I've read every single page Mm -hmm. and they know that I will ask them, do you want my notes or do my typos or do you want my questions? And they're like, we'll take your typos first and then maybe your questions or can you give us your typos and then just ask the questions. And I'm prepared because I know also that I'm young and that I'm a woman of color and that right off the bat, those are strikes against me. And I feel that I have to work 10 times harder to be taken seriously by my peers who are 10, 20, 30 years older than I am. And so I, I feel that having served in Garden Grove has really prepared me for Congress in that I've had to work with the majority Republican Council. And I've been able to be extremely successful at it. And that I have, I've been accosted during a live meeting. I've been followed to my car. I've received hate, almost like death threat type emails. Uh At this point, there's very little that you can do to me that I'm going to be, you know, upset over or, or, or cry over spilt milk, if you will. Um, And also just my personal life. I've survived so much to get to where I'm at, to do the Uh work always wanted to do and for me it's I've been through so much my family's been through so much my neighbors my friends my family and all of these things could have been prevented with the proper resources and services and they're not handouts they're hand ups they're creating an equitable environment for people who don't want to be victims of their circumstance and that's what motivates me and that's what pushes me I'm not here for the title I'm not here for the pay I'm not here to fly a several hours across the country that have not seemed like a good time to me, especially now that I have a very tiny little baby in my arms, but it's the work that has to be done. And I trust Mm -hmm. myself to do it. I know that I will do it. I know that I will do it well. And I know that people trust me to do it across the aisle. My colleagues Mm -hmm. will tell you, they know that I work hard. I was at my council meeting four days after I had Penelope and they were like, of course you're here. I have perfect attendance. I was just like, no, I, I made an oath and I made a commitment mm-hmm. and I'm here to accomplish that. And Michelle Steele or anyone else isn't going to get in my way of doing that. This work is important. It's such a huge responsibility. And while it is a big sacrifice, it's also the biggest blessing to be able to have the, the ability to help so many people. Not everyone gets that chance and I don't want to squander it. And, you know, she can try to call me a communist. I'm the daughter of a boat person go for it. Let's see how that works out for you. Make She's going to have to make up lies at this point. Go right at it. It's it's nothing that I haven't experienced before. I've yeah. had people say that I'm too young, that I'm inexperienced, that I haven't paid my dues, that I need to wait my turn, that my hair, my my makeup, my outfit, you know, uh, whatever, that I'm, I'm not super eloquent. I don't sound like the average politician or I'm not as educated because I don't have a master's or a doctorate or, you know, I'm poor. I can't raise money. I've heard it all and it's just why right. move on because i the only reason why you're attacking me is because you're afraid of me well and, and it is a question of how do we get people to be represented if we're only going to pull from one class of people 
you know, one resume can make it through. And so I think it's really important to understand that lived experience is missing in so many of the seats in the House of Representatives and has been from the beginning. And you know, I, th- I think you bring up a really good point about local politics that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, politics is war. You get all of those kinds of metaphor, but um, local government is hand-to-hand combat. You know, people are using bayonets um, and, and they're accosting you on the grocery store um, and and they're living next to you on a street. So it, it's really up close and personal. Um, and I think that a lot of people who haven't watched local politics miss that part of it. Um, and think, you know, oh, it's all kumbaya because you might vote with one person on one issue and then with somebody else on another. And it is close hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. And I think it prepares you. People always say like, oh, local politics, that's nothing on Congress. I get it. But it's a great training compared to having not done anything at all prior to. I think serving on a council level is excellent training because there is no safe spot. Like you said, I could be at Target. I could be at Vons or Ralph's or wherever I'm at. And someone, sure enough, right. I could be right. trying to get to my car in my garage and my neighbor's like, yo, the trash server or someone speeding down the street. And I'm like, sure. I go to the doctors. I have a baby in the car. Yeah. But, right. You know, it, and, and for me, that's excellent training. And it prepares yeah. me in a way that I don't think anything else can. And it's such a micro level that people notice. And it, it, it's literally a microcosm of what Congress is at a macro level. Right. So, you know, I, in, in 2022, I just watched who voted and who didn't and just got really discouraged and um, kind of disheartened that young people are not showing up yeah. um, to vote. And, and while they're really engaged on social media about political issues, either they are discussed by the entire political process, which is fair, but they're not showing up and they're not showing up for local elections and they're not showing up in midterms. Um, and so, you know, in, in, in last, last election, 69% of every ballot cast was ca- in California was cast by somebody 50 years old or older. And I don't know how to get young people engaged. But I'm in that group right. of 50 and older. So maybe I'm not the right person to try. But you know, I, how do we do it? How do we get young people to understand the power of their vote? That's the question of the hour, of the day, of the year, of the century, right? Because there's so many young people, especially millennials, right? Like we are the largest pop. And it just surprises me how low of a voter turnout we have. And I'm like... Yeah. I'm one of you. Help me help you. <laughs> I speak your language. Right. Like, I've got it. <laughs> you know, I live essentially paycheck to paycheck. And although I have a really good paying job, it's like everything is outrageously expensive. It's, right. It's almost impossible to keep up. I'm fortunate that I only have to have the one job because it does pay well. But it's like I'm barely above water. And now I have a young baby to add into that. Sure. I'm like, shoot, am I going to have to start a side hustle? And so I get it. And I think that until we have more folks in positions of power and authority that understand what that looks like, things are not going to change. Uh-huh. You know, right now, 
the biggest indicator of viability for 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 a politician is how much money they can raise not their experience right not their knowledge not their expertise it's how much money can they raise and it's so unfortunate because you're missing hundreds of thousands of really great leaders and their potential to serve because you're only interested in how much money they can bring to the table um Mm -hmm. so many people are discouraged from participating because they feel like People don't care about what they have to say uh, because so often only people that can afford to go to fancy events, fun, fancy fundraisers are the ones that sure. people care about. If you're not getting money from someone, people feel like they're, you don't care about them, right? right? You care about young people when you want them to walk for you for free or to phone bank for you or to text uh-huh. bank for you, but to invite them to your fundraiser or to invite them to spaces where there's other people of influence and power, then, then not so much. And I think that that's a right kind of mentality for young people to have. They have something to offer. And if they're not getting equitable investment on their return, right, then like, what is the point? Um, But the point is is that you hold more power than you think. More Uh of you banded together voting sends a louder message at the polls than anything else. Right. At the ballot box, when when those votes come in, your voice is going to be the Uh loudest. You choose to fit out then you can't be mad at the way that things continue to be because you're not participating in the decision-making process. And I, I hear this saying all the time, if, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, right? And so right. I think that, that we need to, to do that. If we all collectively decided we're going to vote, the world yeah. today looks very differently. And it's sure. not you have to vote for young people, but you have to vote for people that you know, one, would put your, your voice at the forefront of whatever it is, right. is right. And that, that doesn't have to be someone under the age of 35. Um, but I think that there's something to be said to have people under 35 at the table making decisions because it's very different. Um, like I said, my colleagues are all 10, 20, 30 years older than I am. So when we talk about renter, renter issues, or we talk about mobile home parks or the lack right. of, I'm like, all of your guys' kids are in college or in high school. Like they're not trying to go to parks right now. Or, you know, sure. they're not dog parents, so they don't know the struggle of right. having a pet. Because I, until recently, like many millennials, I had a fur baby because I was like, I don't know that I can afford to have a human one. Sure, sure. And, you know, there's just so many different variables. And when you talk about college, right. my colleagues went to college. It's very different than when I went to college. And even right. when college today is buying a new car, interest rates, groceries, all of this stuff happening today is very different than what most people who were elected would have experienced when it was, you know, their sure. experience. Sure. So I think yeah. And, that- and their children and grandchildren have a very different experience because of that safety net, because right. of, of that cushion. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a very different experience. And, and I see some candidates, you know, who are self-funding, just putting, you know, a million dollars into their own campaign. Yeah. For a job that will not pay that over four right. two years, right? Like, I, oh, okay. I um, laugh because I remember last year I was at a conference where I'm a board member with the neighboring city's council member who's within the district, but I, I won't put that individual on blast. But that individual just asked me like, how much is, you know, how much are you going to make in Congress? And I, I looked at the individual like, I don't know. And he was like, hold on a second, Cam, you're running for Congress and you don't even know how much it's going to pay. I'm like, I didn't think about it. Like that was not the reason for me running. Sure, sure. And like, well, if I hadn't already endorsed you, I'd endorse you right now just because of that answer. And I'm like, well, thank you. I'm like, that's just not the priority for me. 
I didn't get into politics to make money. Well, right. here, there's money to be made if you do it a particular way, but that was not what called me to service. Uh-huh. I, I think it's it's so interesting to me when people talk about that as if that's the driving force. And I'm just like, that's not what it is for me. I'm just, I'm, I want to change things. And I feel that uh-huh. this is the only way to do that. Yeah. So what, what advice, what have you learned that you could share with young women who are interested in running for office? Just do it. Don't let that voice in the back of your head convince you not to, because then you'll never do it. And you'll never do a million things that you're overly qualified to do. And I think that it's so important that you do step up to the plate. You don't need someone to tell you seven or 10 times that you're able or qualified or ready. Just just do it. Men have no issue stepping up to do things that they're very not qualified to do. Uh, should never do. But yet there they are, you know, leading the way. Majority of them taking up all the space and air in the room. And I think that as women, we just have to collectively decide that we're going to support other women uh-huh. um, and, and help women and encourage women, especially young women and especially women of color, because the the number of times you have to tell a woman something for her to do it just goes even higher and higher when you start to add this, these, these different check marks to it. Young. Right. Color, right. And I think. Yeah, I, I've seen that over and over with with the guest speakers that come to my class when I ask and they'll say, oh, well, I wasn't going to run, but nobody else was running. I wasn't going to run, but people really asked me to over and over. And when I asked the men, mm-hmm. of course I was going to run. Yeah. And and it's a very different story. And the same when I serve on hiring committees where I think, oh, so you, you satisfied one of the requirements and you just thought you would apply. I okay. think for me, the, the shocking thing I'll tell you, Jody, is that I'm very introverted and I'm really shy. You wouldn't know that when you hear me talking because it's it's like a switch. I can turn it on. And I know when I have a job to do that I've got to do it to the best of my ability. But I would, I'm a wallflower. I would much rather be at home watching a show by myself, cuddle up with my dog and now my baby and just like minding my own business. But it's that no one else will do it. Or I can't trust this person to do it. I'm sure. type A sure. personality in the back of my brain. And also that I know what you just said is true. And I have this knee-jerk, visceral reaction to want to change how that works. And I know that I need to step up to the plate and do it so that others will follow my example. And so in January, when I announced that I was running for Congress, I was like, of course I am. I am the most qualified. I fit Mm -hmm. the demographic the best. I tick the most boxes. I can defeat Michelle Steele. And I... Whether I believe it 100% or not, I'm like, I'm going to exude that confidence until I believe it myself, because I know that if a man did it, there would be no question. Right. I'm not going to question myself. Can I do the job? Yes. And if I don't know how to, I will learn it. That's more that's being said than other people who have ran before who just don't do the job and they've been there how long? So that's the mentality that you have to have, right? If you don't know, you will learn it. If you can't do, you will figure it out. And, and don't sure. let anyone tell you otherwise, because if you're waiting for validation, if you're waiting for reassurance, you're never, the answer will always be no. And you're never going to do whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely great advice. I really appreciate it. So as, as we close this out, what, what do you have to share with, uh, with voters? We are going to win this seat. We're going to flip it. We're going to retire Michelle Steele. But, and a huge but here is we can't do it without you. 
this is an all hands on deck situation. This seat is too critical, too valuable for us to pass up this opportunity. Call, text, you know, go visit whoever it is that you know in the 45th and make sure that they've turned in their ballot or that they're going to go vote on, you know, election day. But make sure that you, whoever it is, you have a plan in place and that you're going to cast your vote. Our, the voter, the, the turnout right now is, is pretty grim. And so I, I'm telling myself people are going to go to the polls or people are going to go drop off at vote centers the day of the election because I know I'm guilty of doing that all the time. So I'm holding out for that hope that those numbers will tick up. But it's really word of mouth. This is our opportunity to elect someone who is from the district, who grew up here, went to schools here, still lives here, works from home here, is raising her very tiny daughter and dog here, and who's invested and who cares and who will fit through you yelling at her or through you thanking her or through you wanting to help her or whatever it is. She's accessible. I'm accessible. I'm here for you. That's what I want for you is to have that type of representative. And I know that you can trust me to do that. And that's why I'm fighting so hard, but I need you to fight alongside me. Only all together can we actually retire Michelle Steele. Well, great. Thank you very much. And get those ballots in by March 5th, Dropbox, mail, and uh, yeah, and vote in person. And if you lose your ballot, you can take it to any vote center and they'll print out a new one. So, oh, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jody. I appreciate it. 